I want to remind you uh, real quick, something I've been saying for the past few months, I think I've said it two or three times from up here, but there was this moment where uh, the, the staff here at Hillsborough Village, we gathered here outside of the Ruby on a weekday and just started praying um, over our campus and just like asking God to just be here to lead us. And, and we started praying for the new year, 2019. And, and uh, I felt like God put this just like word for me on my heart where um, I just sensed that, you know, we live in a, a day and age where there are a lot of banners to carry like the, the picture that comes to my mind, if, if you've ever seen like a student protest with like a poster with some big, bold writing on it, it feels like there's one of those every day. And, and there's a lot of things to stand for, and there's a lot of good things, a lot of noble things to stand for. I'm not like critiquing that. I'm saying there's a lot of good things. But I sense God saying, hey, uh, at a point in time in our culture where there's a lot of banners, a lot of things to lift high, um, I want the ruby to raise the banner of Jesus um, alone, that, that there's a lot of good things to care about. There's a lot of good things to be passionate about, and uh, we have no shortage of options. But here at the Ruby, uh, may this place be a place where just the name of Jesus is just explicitly and unapologetically lifted high. And it's with that that uh, I want to unroll this new series that we're going to be digging in on, and I'm going to actually leave you kind of cliffhanger. So just know a new series is coming that I think was birthed out of that heart um, for this banner year, but I want to start with a story, uh, which is pretty common. So I used to work at this place called All Red Motors. Um, Who knew that about me, that I worked at All Red Motors? Thank you for remembering. I mentioned it a long time ago, and I just wanted to see, does anyone remember that? Because All Red Motors was my place for uh, 16 years old. I was working on a car lot. I was, you know, the big signs at a car lot that's like, you know, 2008 Hyundai Accent, $1,200, like gotta stop by. I was the guy that changed the letters by hand. I put a ladder in a white Silverado, climbed up the ladder, dangerous exercise and changed the sign. Anyway, that was me at All Red Motors. The team at All Red Motors was awesome, all right? You had Keith Allred, shout out Keith, if for some reason you ever listen to this podcast, I love you, thanks for making a man out of me. He was the, uh, the owner of that car lot. Um, I worked with Brett Travis, a car salesman, he was a goofball. And then I worked with a guy named Ed, and I can't remember his last name, my bad Ed. But he was this 65 to 70 year old guy, and, and Ed was this just awesome, hilarious character. Um, he was just this classic Southern guy with all these Southern sayings. And if you're from the South, you know what I mean. Like, you know how Southerners just have certain sayings that no one says anywhere else, but they say it all the time. Um, let me give you an example. Ed would often say this phrase, and I'm gonna change my voice a little bit, but it doesn't quite sound like him. He would always say, I know you can hear me, but you're not listening. He'd always say that. I know you hear me, but you're not listening. And he would tell stories about like raising his kids and he'd look at him and be like, I know you hear, and he'd always do this like weird finger point. But I know you hear me, but you're not listening. And it would be that, it wasn't really authoritative. It was just kind of odd. And, and he'd always say that. And I didn't really get what he meant at first because he said it so much without really any context. But as I began to think about it, I began to understand what he's saying is, hey, I know you hear the words I'm saying, but because of your reaction, I can tell you don't really understand you're not paying attention, or it's not making any real impact because it's not leading you to change. And today we're gonna read a passage in Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 through 25, so if you've got, or 29, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew 7. If you use one of our blue Bibles, page 474. And if Jesus was gonna say this through the person of Ed, Jesus would be saying, I know you can hear me, 
but make sure you listen when I'm speaking, all right? So uh, Matthew 7, 24 through 29, thanks for your grace on the worst segue to this passage about Ed. All right, um, Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. This is a pretty, pretty popular passage. I wouldn't be surprised if you've heard this before. All right, if you're there, give me a little like amen. Hey, shout out. All right, verse 24. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll go for it. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this word. I just ask you to minister to us through your word. I ask you, God, just by, by your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. I just acknowledge that only you can, can tug at, can change the human heart. And uh, I, just, I just ask, God, would you just be, I know you're here, God, would you just, just move in our hearts and would you give us awareness, Lord? Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so reading this passage, Jesus is gonna make something really clear, all right? There is something that distinguishes a wise person from a fool, all right? And it's, it's pretty basic. But what's interesting is the wise person and the fool, what separates them is not that they hear Jesus's words, right? So in the same room, a wise person and a foolish person can sit and they can hear the powerful words of Jesus. So as Jesus is speaking, um, even those who maybe they felt like they had access, like, wow, they're listening to Jesus. Man, I'm in. But Jesus goes, not quiet, actually. Like, it, you, can be, you might be wise or foolish right here, right now, even though you're hearing the words of the Son of God. He goes, what separates a wise man from a foolish man is the one who hears my words and does something with them. That person's wise. But the one that hears my words and goes on living as if I had never spoken, that's the fool. And when the storms of life come, that house will fall. But those who hear and obey when the storms of life come, that house will stand. If Ed was saying this, he'd be like, I know you hear me, but you're not listening. Your house is gonna fall. Okay, I'm done with the Ed reference. All right, so it's with that um, that I wanna introduce this series back to the basics, or back to basics. And uh, there's the slide for it. And I want you to know that last night at 11.30 p.m., I made this slide. And I text my wife because she's in Pigeon Forge uh, at a retreat planning for a mission trip to Ghana. And uh, I was like, babe, I need you to tell me right now, is this really stupid? And she said, no, I think it looks good. I said, I need you to swear to me. So this is a vulnerable moment. I made a slide. Back to basics. As you can see, there's a square, a circle, and a triangle because that's basic, right? Do you get the theme? Okay. Back to basics, all right? It's with this passage in mind of just hearing and doing um, that I want to like kick off this new thing that I think God has, has uh, that I feel like very strongly that God has 
put on my heart. You know, every generation has something unique about it. Uh, I think every generation experiences something uh, that, that is noteworthy that the generation before it did not experience and the generation after it won't experience for the first time. And I was thinking about, you know, what is that for our generation? I'm sure there's like a million different answers. But one of the things I thought of is that our generation has so much access to excess. We have so much access to excess. And specifically, I think that our generation has so much access to excess information. Like we are not lacking a lot, lot, lot of, ever, of information I feel like every day, uh, this is probably fact, we set a new record for information available to you today. And it comes in all types of platforms, um, all types of media, whether it's books or podcasts or YouTube or whatever it is. We just have all of this information. And as I was thinking about this series, this like picture, sometimes I just think in pictures. And this picture that came to my mind was, if you've ever seen a movie that's like in space, and there's like an explosion and like the rocket ship is all over space. What movie am I thinking of? What's that one with Matthew McConaughey, um, the guy from the Lincoln commercials? Interstellar, the guy from the Lincoln commercials, anybody? All right, um, those are life-changing. Um, but uh, yeah, like, doesn't, does something explode in that movie? Yeah, and something really important. Anyway, when that happens, if there's anything important floating out there, it's really alarming, right? Because you immediately notice the absence of gravity and you realize that to go in to get the thing means you might not return back home. And I was thinking about our generation and I was like, man, there's so much information just like floating out there and there's no sense of gravity. And if you're like me, sometimes that can be really overwhelming, like with so many things to think about, it kind of makes you feel like there's nowhere to really stand. Like there's no, there's no like gravitational pull to anything because there's so much stuff out there. And so in this culture that's overly informed, I, I kind of started asking myself, and I feel like God put this on my heart, what are some basic Christian practices that can be sort of a, a gravitational pull to the heart of God? that as we are just like oversaturated with information, how can we as children of God or as people questioning or deciding whether or not they wanna follow Jesus, what are just some basic things that while there's a million things to think about, what are just like five or six things that we can bank on, that we can go back to, to help us sort of find our footing, that when the storms of life come, we find our house standing strong on a firm foundation. Has anyone ever felt overwhelmed in life and like, wait, what, what's the, what are we doing again? What's the purpose again? How's this, has anyone ever felt like that like disorienting feeling in their journey? Anybody else? Is it just five of us? Okay, yeah. No, 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 no. You're good. Don't lie. It's all right. You, you feel sure of yourself. I'm being vulnerable. I don't feel sure of myself. That's great. But, uh, but thinking about like, I just, I just like, had this sense in my heart, like this is such an unsettling time to be alive. And I'm like, God, I, I feel like, you know, you promised that, that you will give life in life abundantly. So what are the things that we can step into that can help us feel a little more like set and a little more established in our footing? And so that's what kind of birthed this, this conversation around going back to just basic Christian practices. And I believe that as we begin to step into the practices we're gonna discuss, um, that we'll find ourselves on solid ground. So um, I wanna talk through what this is gonna look like. So we're not gonna dig into one of those practices this week. We're gonna start next week. Um, so today is really just one gigantic preface 
to just kind of get your heart and mind ready for what's about to come, okay? And so each week, as we talk through a simple Christian practice, my aim is to tackle two things, all right? The theology of that practice and the practice of that practice, all right? The theology of that practice and the practice of that practice. So I wanna break this down, okay? So every week, we're gonna discuss a Christian practice, and on one week, maybe two, we're gonna just talk theology. Hey, why is this again? What's this about? And then, uh, and then on another week, we're gonna just discuss the practice. How does this begin to implement itself in our lives? And I wanna break that down for a little bit, all right? Does that make sense? Are we here? You with me? We here? Cool. All right, so first, we're gonna talk about the theology of a Christian practice. So for example, next week, we're gonna kick it off with prayer. And you're like, wow, emoji eye roll. Like we literally just did prayer and fasting for a long time. It's gonna be great. And shame on you for getting tired of prayer, all right? Um, Just kidding, love it, we're gonna do it. I think it's gonna be great, it's gonna be a little different, but I'm really excited. So next week, for example, we'll break down the theology of prayer. Because in this day and age, uh, I believe that the, the why question matters Maybe not more, but it matters first than the what. So we know that prayer is good. We've been told prayer is good, that prayer is important. But if you're like me, sometimes you wake up and go, wait, why, why again? Like, what, what do we believe about prayer? Have you ever been around a kid who's learning something new for the first time? And one thing he already knew coming into learning the new practice was how to ask the question why. So it's like, hey, hey, listen, you know, don't cross the street, okay? Like, be careful, you gotta look both ways. Why? Okay, so as you cross the street, a car may not see you. You gotta be careful. Why is that? Okay, uh, they'll be distracted. They might be texting and driving. You're pretty short. May not see you over the hood. Why? Okay, listen, hold my hand. Don't ask another question, right? <laughs> like, we're just gonna cross the street together. Have you ever had like a niece or a nephew or a son or daughter just ask why over and over and over again? I actually think that's a relatively healthy human instinct, right? I feel like in this day and age, we need to be informed on the why before the what will ever make sense to us. Uh, I, I think that's pretty common. Nowadays, um, I've heard people often use this word deconstruction. Have you heard that word recently? Deconstruction, it seems like there's like this tidal wave of deconstruction where people like you and I are coming into our 20s, our 30s and going, wait a minute, I grew up this whole time believing this thing. Why do I believe this thing again? Is this real? Wait, hold on, how much of this is just because I was born right there and my family was like this and it's just cultural, and is any of this real? Like, I'm just gonna be on an exploration. But what I found is that in this, like, era of deconstruction, it leaves a lot of people empty-handed and with nothing to build with, like, nothing to reconstruct. And so um, the hope of this, this tackling the theology of each Christian practice we're gonna cover moving forward is to help us reconstruct. So if you go, I identify with the deconstruction phase. I identify with going like, hey, I don't remember why any of this is why it is. I'm kind of doubting it. My hope is to equip you with the healthy theology of why Christians do a few basic things and how it connects us to the heart of God, okay? So we'll be asking questions like, why do we do this? What does scripture say about it? What do, believe, what do we believe is happening when we do these things? Um, and so we'll tackle the why. Does that make sense? This theology, does that make sense? Am I coming through? Can I get head nods? I'm vulnerable. Okay, thank you. Um, all right. Secondly, we'll discuss the practice of it. All right. So there's a reason why, if you had the chance to dissect a frog in chemistry or biology, which one would that have been in? Biology. Okay. 
I really trusted you, Tabitha. I was like, what did you say? I heard everybody else, but what did you say? Um, <laughs> there's a reason why um, in algebra, you remember dissecting a frog. No, it was biology. So stupid joke, never for the 11. Um, so it, uh, in biology, when you dissect the frog, there's a reason you remember that. First of all, because it's disgusting. So it's like, wow, that I remember that repulsive exercise where I cut open the belly of a very innocent and dead frog. But secondly, because that was one of the only times you got to put the pencil down, you got to like stop the boredom of just listening to someone discuss something and you're like 15 years old, like what is even the point? Like I'm just trying to text without getting caught right now. And you got to actually like go and like participate in something, right? It turns out that participating leaves a stamp in our minds that just simply listening cannot. And I believe that information in this day and age, just information, is either overwhelming or underwhelming for us. It's either overwhelming because we're oversaturated. Like all week long, we're reading books, we're listening to, all this information's coming our way. And so to come here on a Sunday and listen to more, you're like, look, I just came here to turn off while you mumble and I'm just gonna like ignore all of it and so I can just get out of here. I can't handle excess information any longer, so I can't really handle this. Or it's underwhelming. Like, look, everywhere I go, there's information, advertisements. Everybody's telling me something's important to listen to. This is just like another, uh, what's the, drop in the ocean. I was gonna say another rock in, the, in a pile of rocks, but uh, it's a, it's a, it can be really underwhelming. Like there's nothing special about just like listening to someone else give me more information. What I sense is that we are in need of information that leads to transformation, and the way that information leads to transformation is participation, all right? That's that going back to that biology class where we're dissecting a frog, that when we participate, that will lead to actual transformation. That's what Jesus is getting at in this passage. If you won't just hear my word, but you'll do my word, that's where you'll see change take place. Is anyone ready to see transformation in their lives? Like, is anybody ready to stop coming here and doing the, transfer, the, the information exchange where you just go home and say, okay, another Sunday, it's done. Like, I'm still me, same old, same old. That was either a good word or a bad word, a good worship set or a bad worship set. Is anyone tired of that? Like, man, do we wanna see transformation? What if I just kept going? Like, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? I'm just kidding, that was so stupid, all right. I went to this, uh, this train the trainer event and uh, this is pretty nerdy, okay? So this is like a subculture, okay? But uh, I, I am a church plant trainer. That's another part of my job. And so I went to Atlanta to learn, it's like inception of church plant training, all right? I went to Atlanta to learn how to train church plant trainers, all right? Pretty high level stuff here, okay? So it's like, hey, if you have someone who's wanting to train church planners, here's how you train them. And I remember walking into the room and immediately I see all these posters that are up and they're all like yelling stats at me and they're helping me learn like how um, knowledge is transferred effectively. And I wanna read this to you. This one poster, I'll never forget it. I took a photo. Uh, I knew that I'd go back to it at some point and about two years later, here I am. It said that we remember 10, per, you ready? We remember 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we discuss with others, 
80% of what we experience personally and 90% of what we teach someone else, all right? Does that make sense? 10% of what we read, 20% what we hear, 30% what we see, 50% what we see and hear, 70% of what we discuss with others, 80% what we experience personally, 90% what we teach someone else. That poster has shaped, and I, don't even, I didn't fact check it. I really put a lot of, I, maybe I should fact check it. I really trusted this poster. <laughs> the poster next to it quoted Albert Einstein, so I'm just positive this poster was deadly accurate, all right? But this poster actually affected how I started leading house churches and now how we're gonna go through this teaching series. I began realizing that the knowledge, transfer, the, the, the knowledge transformation here where I just like word vomit information to you, it can be effective. In fact, I think like it's, it's like divine, like it is effective, the Holy Spirit uses it. But I also think it's a little narrow in scope and so I wanna start playing around a little bit, experimenting with how we as a church dig into the basic principles of walking with God and so on these weeks of practice, we're gonna have times of circling up in small groups. And I just want you to mentally and spiritually and emotionally prep yourself for this. Um, I'm gonna ask you to participate. Because my hope is that we as a church here, that our basement, our bottom, like our, our worst case scenario is we retain 70% of what we discuss here as a church family. So when we talk about prayer, uh, we're gonna get in circles. We're gonna hear from some other people that, that talk about their experience of prayer, different ways that they pray, what scripture says, but we're also gonna hear from you. And my hope is that as we get in conversation and we begin to discuss one another, that 70% stat will be true. But I also hope that as we talk about it, that you'll go out, out outside of Sundays and you'll begin to participate and do things on your own and to actually start doing and obeying and that maybe you'll experience something personally so that you'll even get up to like an 80% uh, retaining mark. Like 80% of what you're experiencing in your prayer life will be retained and be cemented in your heart and mind. And maybe even when you begin discipling someone else and teaching them the ways of God, you start retaining 90% where the, the simple, basic principles of God that draw us near to his heart will be just stamped in our minds and in our hearts. And we'll actually experience transformation not just information. Does that sound good? Does that make sense what we're about to step into? And so I'm gonna invite you to be bold, to have courage. We will never force your hand, but I do want you to be ready. Church on Sunday and church every day throughout the week is not meant to be a spectator sport. And I don't accidentally wanna treat you like spectators. You're participants, you're gifted, you have the Holy Spirit, um, and if you're here and you're not, uh, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in Jesus, I believe that everything we will discuss will bring you life, whether or not you've given your life to Jesus yet. And so we're gonna get together and, and I'm gonna treat you guys as equals. Like we're, we're equals here. We're participating in the same thing together. So we're gonna circle up, we're gonna talk. And I think it's gonna be great. And my hope for this series is that these Christian practices will help anchor us, will help be a gravitational pull in a time where that can be hard. It can be hard to find our footing. Um, okay, I put this as an optional thing to share before we go to communion. I don't wanna share it. I, th I think we're good. So does that make sense? Does, it, does this series make sense what we're about to step into? So next week we'll start with prayer. And we're gonna talk about the theology, the why of prayer. What does scripture say about it? What do we believe is happening when we are praying? Like, like what do we believe about it? What does scripture say about it? And so we're gonna dig into it. And then the week after that, we'll start digging into the practice of it. So as we go to communion, I wanna invite you to go to the communion table, grab the cup, grab the bread, 
and then return to your seats and circle up into groups of three to five and just share your feelings about the teaching series that's coming your way, all right? Just share how it makes you feel knowing that you're about to, on some weeks, listen to theology. Why do we do it? But then on other weeks, you're gonna really participate. Are you looking forward to it? Are you petrified? Are you gonna start looking for a new location? Like, just share and give the why behind it. Like, man, I'm looking forward to it. Why is that? Man, I'm petrified. Why is that? And then pray for one another, take communion together, okay? That's simple. So I'm gonna pray for us, then we'll go to communion. Um, God, thank you for what I believe is a new series that is gonna be amazing. Uh, Honestly, I think it's gonna be awesome. Um, But God, I I don't know. I just, I pray for just unity in our our family. Uh, God, would you help us to to buy into this? God, for those that are new here, and this sounds kind of weird, we just help them to experiment with it. Give it a try. God, I pray, Lord, that would you just lead us and guide us. If you say that the wise man hears your words and does them, may this church represent the wise man. May we not just hear the the basic principles that you teach us, um, but may we step into them that we can experience life and life abundantly. Um, We lead our conversation during communion. Um, We love you. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen.